Hello and welcome back to episode number four of the Daily Dose of Baseball podcast. I am one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm Patrick. And today we'll be talking about some news, recaps, and basically everything that's happened in the past week of baseball. And um, first off, we'll start with a couple injuries, one being Carlos Carrasco. He previously just got hurt and he's been sidelined for a bit, but he will... Um, he will begin throwing next week, which is a definitely good. That's uh, I'm I'm expecting him to miss about a week. Um, what are your thoughts on? That? Yeah, um, Carrasco he arrived late to camp for a non-injury related reason, so that kind of pushed him back a little bit to begin with, and he experienced some elbow soreness over the past week, I believe. Um, it's nothing that they seem too concerned about. Um, because apparently he has experienced this before, and maybe it could be from the COVID vaccine, because I believe he got that. But um, they're just taking it cautious, taking it cautiously with him. He is, I believe, throwing on the just on flat ground today, and if everything goes well, he should be like throwing to at least throwing BP over the course of the next week. So hopefully, um, Carrasco can get ramped up um, at a good pace. He might not be ready for opening day, like we said, but hopefully a week or two in, he will be um, good to go. All right, yeah, that would be good. I mean, I'm a Mets fan and you're a Mets fan. We're both Mets fans. And uh, I want him on the field as soon as possible. And so we got another injury. He's going to be Zach Britton on, on the Yankees. And um, it was recently reported that he has to undergo some surgery to remove a bone chip in his left elbow in the next couple of days. And he's expected to be shut down for six weeks completely, but people are saying he's not expected to come back for another three to four months. Yeah. It, um, it's an injury um, that we don't really know about right now, at least how long it could take him to get back on the field. I've heard as early as like May or as late as like the all-star break. So somewhere in between there, I think June is a pretty reasonable, um, time that he might come back but again it depends on the person and you never know yeah but as for now Justin Wilson will probably take his role in the bullpen which is good because the Yankees just signed him and now he's going to be upgraded to a bigger role um basically right as the season starts so uh best of luck to Zach Britton and uh hopefully that Yankees bullpen will stay solid this season and another kind of injury is Joey Votto testing positive for COVID um, he was placed on the injured list for no reason. Feel that he was positive for COVID. Um, he'll be away for the, from the club for at least 10 days because that's the protocols that are going on right now. And it's not clear if he's experiencing, if he's experiencing symptoms. Um, we should hope that he gets a pretty fast recovery. Uh, he should be fine for opening day because that's less than uh, two, more than two Okay. Hopefully he gets back on the field as soon as possible. And, uh, I mean, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think um, as as long as he recovers okay, and hopefully he does, he will be back on the field probably by opening day. I think the only way he wouldn't be able to is if um, he actually has symptoms. Then I feel like um, the amount of time he has to spend away from the team could be longer, and he might have to miss opening day. But right now, um, it's looking like he probably will be ready for opening day. I hope so too. I mean, been a solid player most of his career. Um, he's nearing that retirement, so 
As long as he doesn't like it, he should be okay. Bye. And another quick news is Indians have released Billy Hamilton. Uh, two, uh, three days ago, they announced that he would not make the opening day roster. And they were trying to get him to go to another team, trying to trade him. And then just yesterday, they ended up releasing him. Now, he is not known for having a great bat. Um, he's not even just a very speedy player. And bounced around with a ton of teams over the past few years. And any team could use him on the bench for some speed. A pinch run for uh, one of their catchers or one of their slow out. Um, this defense isn't terrible. It's all right. He's so fast, he gets to most of the balls that are hit in the outfield. Um, what do you think about this? And do you think he will end up playing for another team? Yeah, he'll probably end up playing for another team, at least maybe um, starting in the minors. But, I mean, he'd be a good player to have just on the bench, like you said. Um, one more spring training storyline. Um, Nick Markakis has retired. Um, Markakis ended his career with 2,388 hits. Kind of an underrated player over the course of the year, a one-time All-Star. That was back in 2018. And he also won three gold gloves. Yeah. Uh, I was really hoping he would hit 3,000 hits because, obviously, I mean, he's not really the Hall of Fame type of player. But if he hit 3,000 hits, it would give voters the question, is this guy good enough to make the Hall of Fame? He has the credentials of 3,000 hits. And uh, I think... Basically, every player who has hit 3,000 hits is in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, not Pete Rose. And I think a few other guys didn't make it. But uh, it's sad. He was a great outfielder, very solid role player for the Braves for a very long time. And, uh, I mean, I was hoping he'd play this year. And we're seeing a lot of these guys going this year. We saw Alex Gordon go earlier this year. A few other guys that I can't think of off the top of my head. And we're going to see Pujols go pretty soon. Molina, Miguel Cabrera, Nelson Cruz. But, yeah, I mean, he was one of the guys that when I grew up, I started watching, and now he's gone. But Christian Pache of the Braves is already going to get the outfield role pretty much. So they already have that covered up. And now for some spring training stats. Um, So far, the best OPS in baseball, we would just like to point out, is Pete Alonso, who – is six for eighteen with two home runs in a one thousand three hundred twelve OPS. He has been killing it out there, and I've seen people call him overrated, and people say he was just a one-year player. But if he plays like this in the regular season, it's going to be hard to call him a bad first baseman or overrated first baseman. Yeah, I would have to agree. Another Met that is um, performing well so far is Brandon Nimmo. Um, he is eight for eighteen with a. 444 batting average, which is technically leading spring training. And obviously, spring training, um, you don't put too much um, weight into that. But, I mean, it's nice to see some players getting off to a hot start. Yeah, and other players getting off to a hot start. Jock and Joey Gallo, both with five home runs. We talked about Gallo last week, who had four. And I think Peterson got three over this past week. And he's been killing it on the Cubs. And, I mean, the Cubs still could make the playoffs. And if Jock Peterson hits really well, plays really well for them, that would really help their case. As he was a guy who struggled a little bit in 2020. But if he's picking it back up. So there's nothing really else to say about that. Yeah, the Cubs lineup is definitely their strength. He would be a good uh, 
a good addition to the lineup. Um, on the pitching side, a couple pitchers um, that have been pitching very well as of late. Sandy Alcantara, seven and two-thirds innings, has not allowed a run yet. And Zach Gallen, eight and a third innings, also has not allowed a run yet. Um, those two pitchers are off to a hot start. Yeah, and Gallon, who has proved to be a very good pitcher in the past few years, um, he's doing well, which is the And Sandy Alcantara, um, a guy most people don't think of when they think of good pitchers. And I'd say he's a pretty good pitcher. I'd say he's definitely definitely crucial to that Marlins team last year. And he's he, he has the potential to become a very good pitcher. And one more pitcher that's been playing really well, Jacob DeGrom. He pitched in a game the other day, um, three innings, no hits, no walks, nothing, throwing 102 miles per hour, seven strikeouts, and the only people that hit the ball, one was a cheap fly out and one was a ground out to first base. Yeah, and Jacob DeGrom in that start also hit 102 miles an hour on the radar gun, which is just crazy to think about. And um, DeGrom has just pretty much added velocity um, to his fastball um, as he's gotten older, which is pretty incredible. But, I mean, the good thing is he's not, like, overthrowing the ball. He's not grunting when he's throwing the ball. If he was doing that, then I'd be worried. But he is just – he has a free and easy motion – and um, he's not overdoing it right now. And obviously, you don't want to overdo it during spring training. It's just incredible to watch. Yeah, it's great to see that he's getting better. He's getting older. As a lot of guys are starting to decline. Um, and hopefully, he gets back on that mound and pitches like he did in the past few years. As we've seen him be a top pitcher in baseball. Pretty much, arguably, the top pitcher. But a few miscellaneous topics for you today. We have the Rangers who have announced they're going to open their planning to open up to 100% capacity um, for their stadium during the season. And we, we've seen Texas and they're looking to open up everywhere without masks in the next. I think they already started doing it. I haven't really dug too deep into that, but the Rangers, I think they're going off those rules and they're going to be opening up quickly, which is very good to see. As long as the cases don't rise up in those stadiums and for those players, I think this is a great sign. Yeah, and speaking of um, fans and stadiums, uh, a bunch of teams have announced their plans um, for opening up stadiums. Most lying around like 20-25% capacity, some a little bit more, some a little bit less. No team has officially said they won't be allowing fans. Um, the Nationals are suspected that maybe they won't start the season with fans, but um, nothing's official yet. Yeah, that's a good sign. Um, I'm really hoping to go to some Mets games this year. I know fans all across America and Canada are looking to go to some games and watch some baseball because that's something we didn't get to experience until the playoffs last year. And one more miscellaneous topic. Um, I think that we're going to be discussing this mainly because we're Mets fans, but Ed Lowry is back on the baseball field. He's 0 for 6, but we don't need to look at that because he was 0 for 8 on the Mets. Um years and he got paid 20 million dollars yep. two years 20 million <laughs> it's just so crazy to think he was a met and he never played and he was good in 2018 and then they signed him and we had high expectations for him and then he was hurt all the first year came back a little bit at the end didn't get a single hit got on base once which is impressive for him but in 2020 did not play at all um but he's getting back on that baseball field not good, but he's getting back, which is 
Yeah, I have a feeling he might play some some sort of a role for the A's this year, assuming he stays healthy, which I guess you cannot assume. <laughs> you can never assume with Jeb Lowry that'll be healthy. Any former Met is either going to be extremely like like a like a MVP when they leave, or they'll be hurt the entire season and just think. Yeah, and then we got some uh, pretty big announcement from MLB. Yes. Not yesterday, a couple of days ago, about some minor league rule changes that could make their way into the majors eventually. And uh, the first one is AAA. They're slight, slightly um, making the bases larger from 15 by 15 inches to 18 by 18 inches, which makes it less slippery and um, provides less collisions, which I think this is a good rule. It will limit in- injuries a little more. And what Yeah, do I don't have this? a problem with this at all. I didn't realize it was that big of a problem to begin with, but I guess it can't hurt. I mean... I don't have, really have a true opinion on this. Um, and also in double A, all infielders um, must have cleats within the outer boundaries of the infield dirt, um, which basically um, starts to limit the shift a little bit. And the shift is a very controversial topic. I see both sides. I see the side of um, hitters just making an adjustment and hit the ball the other way. But I also see the side of we have to get more balls in play in general. So if we limit the shift, there'll be more hits. So, Corey, what's your opinion on that? I have heard two sides of this. I've heard the good side, which not many people have talked about, but I heard this the other day, that a good thing about the shift being gone would mean hitters have more room to hit the ball. So they're going to try to start, like, pulling it and hitting home runs because that's the easiest way to hit past the shift. And a lot of people who do that, like, example, Joey Gallo, he has a shift on him when he's um, hitting lefty. and. He's trying to hit the ball over the fence because he wants to get a home run because it's the easiest way to hit past the shift. But now that there's no shift, people in double-A can hit like normally and it will limit their strikeout because if you're trying to hit a home run, most of the time you won't succeed and you'll end up striking out. But the bad side to this is that Rob Manfred's whole point is to limit the time of games and we'll see with like a few more rules and make games shorter overall. And with the shift, a few hits that would be out toward the shift, now going to be um, in places that no one's going to be able to get to and just squeeze in for like a small single, which could make a pretty big difference in the game. It could add a couple minutes on. And this happening multiple times could add a lot of time onto games and just make games longer. Yeah, I think it could make games longer. But I think in this case, um, they'll sacrifice making the game longer for making the game more interesting with more balls like put in play with into many spots um, pulled and hit the, hit the other way. A rule change in high A ball, basically a like single A, pitchers must step off before attempting a pickoff, which is trying to, I guess, incentivize the stolen base a little bit. Um, so I guess that takes away from like the kind of like jump throw to first base, not like a jump throw, like turning 90 degrees. You have to step off now before you throw to first. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. It's kind of weird. I don't love it. I don't know. But what, what about you, Corey? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of this, but at the same time, all I'm all in for stolen bases and bunting and playing small ball. And I know a lot of fans don't like that anymore, but I still love games where it's a pitching duel and the only runs are scored based off small singles and stolen bases and sacrifice bunts and everything. But pickoffs are pickoffs, and this is going to change a lot of things. Because now, 
feeling it's going to be a lot easier because once that left-handed pitcher who normally will pick up their foot a long way because they can always throw to first if the guy goes off their foot a long way, that guy's already moving to second and there's nothing the pitcher can do Mm -hmm. about that. And it's going to throw him off guard. It's going to have him throw wild and it's just going to result in just a tougher time for left-handed pitchers basically. And even right-handed pitchers when there's throws you can do to second where you pick up your foot and turn to second or you could pick up your foot and uh, pe- people take running in. and an, a single A in low A another rule change is per plate appearance and um, the penalty of that doing more of that is going to be um, count as a balk and the player will advance another um I really don't have an issue with this. I like it because it will make games shorter, for sure. Uh, what are your? Yeah, I don't really like this one. This is my probably my least favorite. I just feel like I I too love the small ball game. I like stolen bases, bunts, all that stuff. I feel like this incentivizes stolen bases too much. I mean, technically, once if a pitcher throws over twice, the batter could just take a huge lead and just go to second. And I, while that's fun, stolen bases, yay. Um. I feel like that kind of is boring. I don't know. And if pitchers probably are not going to want to get to two pickoffs because that would happen, so I feel like they only will like throw over once, which I'm not really a fan of. Um, I don't want pitchers throwing over like four times in that, in, in that bat, but I also don't want them to be limited. I don't love that one. Yeah, I mean, I see both sides of it. I could see it being good to shorten games. I can also see it being longer to have stolen-based attempts. But now it looks like pitchers are only really limited to one because when you think about it, after you do two, like you just said, um, batters can take a huge lead and just get to second right away. Um, But I'm also not sure if the pitcher steps off first. I'm not sure if that counts as a pickoff. So if that doesn't, that is a good thing to it because they could step off and just throw over. Um, But it's definitely a... Definitely a um, weird little change, and I would have never expected it. To yeah. Um. So also in low A West, they are implementing a 15 second pitch clock, which has been experimented in, I believe, like spin training and other leagues in baseball, like private independent leagues. Um. Obviously, this will speed up the game a lot, and I think this is going to happen in baseball in a couple of years. The pitch clock. Um. I like it. I don't really have a problem with it. I think. Um, just the amount of time that goes through a pitch from the pitcher, just taking his, taking a sweet time off the mound and the hitter, just checking his batting gloves, um, outside of the batter's box just takes too long. Having the pitch clock will definitely help. Corey, what is, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I actually kind of like this role, but then the only issue with I, that I have with it is what is the penalty going yeah. over 15 I think, seconds? I think it would be like a ball. If it's the pitcher's fault and a strike, if it's the hitter's fault, I think that's what it is. But I could be wrong. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like it could be the pitcher's fault, it could be the hitter's fault. So there can't be like a one hundred percent. If it takes too long, this happens rule. But I can see what you're saying there now. Yeah, pitchers and hitters, it just is going to hurt them if they take a long time. But if both take a long time, what happens? Does it count as a ball <laughs> and a strike? Because that would make sense to me um but in low a southeast they're gonna have an automatic ball strike system and i know that a lot of umpires 
are deemed as bad umpires and blind umpires. We've all in every sport we've seen officials, umpires, whatever they are called in every sport. We've seen them be bad a lot of times, and it honestly makes the game more fun, in my opinion. Having a 100% correct umpire is not going to be a good thing. I think that the umpire is going to, the automatic umpire is just going to help out the umpires a little bit. I think that's what the goal of this is. I don't think it's going to be 100% in their control. I think if like it's a tough play, the umpire can go to the um, strike system and say, what is this pitch? And the strike system will tell him it's a strike, it's a ball. But I'm not a fan of this. And I know a lot of fans have been wanting this for a long time. But it just adds more fun to the game to not know what the play is going to be. Um, yeah, so again, I see both sides of this. Um, for the side of pro strike zone, it definitely um, will the call will be correct all the time, which is, I think, good. Like I said, the human element of the game basically goes away now. Since um, instant replay was introduced, I think back in 2014, um, there really have been less manager umpire arguments, which are fun to watch. And now it's an automatic strike zone. How how can you argue against a, ro- a robot making strikes, calling strikes and balls? I mean, really, the only thing I guess you can argue now is like check swings. I feel like that's the only thing that will be argued. And even that, maybe at some point, um, there will be technology that can judge that. So yes, the human element of the game is slowly going away. But for the actual game, um, I think it actually might be good because there won't be any arguing over, over balls and strikes. Yeah, I definitely see both sides to this. I'm in for the keeping umpires how it is, but I'm also in for umpires being better because even people who are playing in Little League and everything, umpires still suck then. Some of them are just terrible. That's all I'm going to say about umpires. And uh, we got another segment for you, our last segment of the day. Uh, last week we had a player argument segment, and this week we're going to do an overrated, underrated, or just right segment. And we have three players here, and we're going to both um, give our opinions. Is the player overrated? Is the player underrated? Or is the player just right? Um, and sure, I'll go first. first. We're going to start with Tyler Glass now, who I'm going to go with overrated. Um, I think a lot of people think he's like this ace for the Rays and that he is, like, the scion contender every single year. And, honestly, the results have just not been there. He's, he has a four ERA in three out of his four um, main seasons, at least a four ERA. Um, the only ERA season over under four was 2019, when it was 1.78, but that was only in 12 starts. Um, I think Tyler Glass now has a, a very bright future, and I think at some point we'll figure it out. But right now... Um, I think he's kind of overrated. People think he's a, a Cy Young right now. And I'm not sure if I can say that at this point. I'm going to agree with you and say he also is overrated. And it's not just that. Mm. Also in the playoffs, he's got a 6.56 ERA in five different series in eight different games. Um, he's just been He's just been called as an ace, and he's never shown how good he can be. And now the Rays have to rely on him to be yeah. the number one starter, which is just tough for them. It's going to be tough for Glass now. Um, I'd agree with you. He is overrated in my opinion, too. And a second player we have here. Um, I've seen people call him overrated. I've seen people call him underrated. We have Matt Chapman. 
And in my opinion, I'm going to say he's properly rated. He, now don't get me wrong. There's some people that call him the number one third baseman in baseball. I would say that's overrated. But I've also seen people call him like not top eight. And that would be underrating him. Uh, but overall, I think most people are rating him properly. I'd say he is a number four to six third baseman in baseball. Um, the home runs, he's known for his power. He's had a pretty good um, home run record, having 14 and only 84 games in his first season, then 24, 36, and then 10 in his shortened season, only playing 37 games with an all-time OPS plus of 127. And he, the defense is there. And he is just amazing defensively. And the war, too. He's got a 21 war over two full seasons and then two half seasons, which to me is outstanding for a young player. Yeah, um, the thing, I don't know. I have to, it's a toss-up for me between overrated and properly rated. Um, I'll go with properly rated. I think when you just look at, like, the first stat you probably see, batting average, that's when you might think he's overrated because he, did, he usually does not have a very high batting average. It was 232 last year, 249 in his all-star year 2019, um, 278 in his best average season back in 2018. But um, when you look deeper into the numbers, he hit 36 home runs in 2019, 848 OPS that year. He's had an OPS over 800 in his past three seasons. OPS plus is over 100 in his past um, three seasons. Um, two-time gold glove winner and a platinum glove. Um, I think he's properly rated. I don't think he's a top third baseman in the league. And I don't think he's top five, but I think he's somewhere between six and eight, um, especially with the defense. I think he's properly rated. I don't, I don't really see people calling him MVP candidates, but I don't really see people calling him overrated that much. Yeah, and like Glasnow, he's got yeah. a really good future ahead of him. He's got, like, just some amazing numbers, and – He's got a really good career ahead of him. I think in the future he could be an MVP candidate for a couple seasons. But I think that he is properly rated. And I know a lot of people will overrate him. A lot of people will underrate him. I think he's just right in the middle. And so for our last player, we have Whit Merrifield, who has been good for some seasons, bad for some seasons. People have been calling him the best second baseman of baseball. People have been calling him a terrible baseman. But for me, I think he's crucially underrated. This guy has a ton of hits every single season. And in 2019, he led the MLB in hits. He led the MLB in triples. Um, 2018 and 17, he led the um, AL in bases, which you look at him, you're like, I, I've never known he was a really good stolen base guy. But his career average, 295, career OPS plus 110. For a guy that hits a lot of average, I'd say that's very good. Yeah. Um, I too think he's very underrated. I've have him, I've had him on my fantasy team. I think I definitely had him last year. I, I think he was on my team in 2019 also. And he is a great player to have. Um, like you said, all the stolen bases. He steals a lot of bases. He also um can hit some home runs. Has a very high batting average. It's been at least 280 in each of his first five seasons in the major leagues. Um, his OPS is not generally high. He's only had two 800 um OPS. Um, seasons in his career, but um, he's played 158 games in 2018. He played all 162 in 2019 and all 60 last year. So he can really just play every single day. And I think he's very underrated. Um, just a very solid player. that can also play multiple positions. He plays second base and outfield. I think he is very underrated. 
And that will be all for today's episode of Daily Dose of Beef. We've definitely been talking about some crazy topics and having Jed Lowry actually play baseball, um, a few more. And I can just tell you right now, I think this season's going to be a weird season. But we'll be here every week recapping, discussing, arguing. And that will be all for today's episode. Hope to see you next week. And thank you for listening.